Hi, I'm Casey. I'm John. I'm Yokai. And welcome to our podcast. Take your coat off. Stay a while. What is a 21st century novel? Let's just talk about like common threads that we see in the novels that we've read so far this semester. Well, I think one common thread that's um, apparent in all the books that we read is um, some sort of appreciation and having to do with um, letting us, having a window into a world that is slightly different than our own. Um, Like in S-Town, we don't live where, in Bibb County, we don't live where John lives and we'll never be able to see it through the same lens as Brian Reed did in his podcast, Um, as well as uh, Station Eleven. We don't live in a post-apocalyptic world and it's like obviously just like distinct, has distinct differences. Um, As well as Lincoln and the Bardo, like it's about a life after death and we obviously can't verify that and like we never will be. So it's something that separates us in a way from the characters, but it's also similarly uh, similar enough to sort of draw us in, which I think is important because it talks about things that we have that they have lost, and it can be related very strongly back to us. It like creates like a like it creates a connection to them that we like we understand and like fully like support. But then it also like changes other things. So it like allows us to kind of like connect to them, but like still like these things leaves things up for questioning and like leaves things up to be like kind of interpreted or that's different from what we are. Yeah, and I would say like even though like what you were saying, Casey, about like, all these worlds that were created that are so far, like, separated from our own, it's kind of, like, amazing how we're still able to, like, learn or see the truths of our own lives in these novels, despite, like, the the material differences. I mean, even with something like the pot, John B. McElmore in the podcast, which is, like, that's a real story and it happened, but it, like, it just seems, and, like, within the same country that we live in, but it seems like something, like a life or a reality that's so far separated from our own mm-hmm. but still we can like learn things about ourselves and that's like kind of like when people were in class were like oh like it surprises me that you can just like look him up and there he is like usually like you can't have that with characters from a novel yeah. and that, like that's something that's like definitely different about s-town that you can like look him up and look up like a news article about it and it's like real do you think s-town is a novel would you consider S Town a, a novel? I would, yeah, I would Why? argue that S Town is a novel because, I mean, obviously, looking at the conventional form of a novel, it doesn't necessarily fit with what is before written before um, the twenty first century. Um, obviously, just basically, it's not in the form of written work, which is one clear distinction, which has been like noted in a novel as a work of prose. But, but I would argue that it follows, you know, a life. And it does it in a way that, you know, creates it as a character, um, which I think is an important part of a novel, as well as having, you know, a formulation of like the reader with the reader in mind or listener in mind, which I think makes it more of a novel. Also, like you could just like look at the transcript and still know know what's going on. Like, what's the difference between the transcript of the podcast and Lincoln in the Bardo? I mean, although, like, they might be, like, kind of different, like, it's still, each person is saying something, and the the sentences are structured in a way that you're you're not there, so they have to, someone has to say what is going on. Yeah. Well, I think also, going back to, you know, the idea that it is a separate world, but we are still interconnected with it, I think that all the um, authors that we've um, read this year 
have done a really good job of bringing, you know, the reader into the novel. Mm. Um, at least in S-Town, Brian Reed talks about when he's reading um, John's suicide note. It ends with, quote, I would hope that all persons reading this can enjoy some of the aspects of life that I have enjoyed, as well as those aspects that I never will, and will take cognizance of the number of walking days he has remaining and use them prudently. And so that's how he ends his suicide note. And I think it's very important that, I mean, in a one way, Brian Reed and the people directly impacted by John's death, who knew as a, him as a person outside of the podcast, would be the people reading it. Obviously, you know, Brian Reed is reading it. But also, it's, it's a reflection on the listeners as well, because we are, in a way, the people reading it, the mm -hmm. people listening and experiencing that same writing. And it's calling on us and asking the listeners to, you know, to appreciate the blessings that we have in our life. Because John, like, explains how he knew that he had things, but he couldn't appreciate them. And he hopes that there are people in the world that realize what they have before it's too late. And I think that's not even uni unique to S-Town. You can see it in Station Eleven, where it's asking, like, the world is so different and it takes into account that there are so many things that they don't have, but we still have, and we need to, you know, realize that it is a blessing, and it's not just something that, you know, comes naturally. And I think, like, some of that comes with, like, the connection that the novels establish, like, with things that are present in your own life. Like, it gives, like, a frame of reference to, it's like, oh, if this is beautiful and it's being compared to this, then, like, what is it saying about that? Like, is it, like, on like, the contrary, or is it, like, kind of agreeing with it and so like I think that's like another like kind of attribute of a novel that I think you know, helps it out almost. And I also think that like in at least two of the novels that we've read there's also like kind of more of an explicit consideration of the reader mm -hmm. that like you can see in the author's words like I mean Ben Lerner literally in 1004 at certain points is like dear reader and he he like describes his reader a lot he says like oh i imagine my reader is someone who's on the perennial verge of existence that's just like a, i don't remember what page that's from that's just a quote that i like have remembered and in um lincoln and the bardo there's the part where the reverend is describing what he knows about what comes after the bardo and he talks about him he talks about his use of like specific words like he kind of references the fact that he's like writing or like thinking about these things and he makes it obvious that he's that he's communicating with somebody, but since there's literally nobody else around him that he's actually yeah. talking to, it kind of becomes clear that he's, like, almost seems to be aware that there's, like, someone on the receiving end of what he's saying, which is, you know, us, like, the readers. And, like, yeah, I don't know, that's just something that I've um, noticed. Like, when you were talking about conventions of the novel that, like, maybe S-Town has broken, I mean, that, I feel like, is a, also, like, a more... Um, dramatic departure because it's like it literally is a podcast but like within you know the still written novels like there are you know certain conventions that have been broken throughout the novels that uh we have read yeah. this semester i think we should talk about those for a minute those like what yeah, like what those novels are doing with structure yeah. yeah what do you think i mean i think that it's similar into the way that it's breaking the form of the novel Especially, you know, in every single book that we've read this year, whether it's 1004, you know, Visit from the Goon Squad, I didn't personally read that one. But <laughs> Did you read it? Yeah. Okay. How but, was it? 
Um, it was definitely it was like it was like a regular, a regular novel. I put that in air quotes. Okay, I don't know what that means. More of a what were you saying? Novel <laughs> yeah, like more. Form. Oh, yeah. yeah. But wasn't but it doing it, things with time? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, continue. Yeah. Sorry. It definitely had. I know from it had it like broke the time barrier and kind of like moved with that, which is definitely present again in not in Station Eleven, where there's flashbacks from breaking down of time and sort of a. Um, novel inception with like a comic book inside of the novel right, right, which yeah. is similar to Ten of Four how there's like poems inside um, and so I think each in the short them, story yeah and short yeah. stories inside and then I mean Lincoln the Bardo is completely almost a breakdown of form with interjections from other characters right. within one character's attribution as well as you know fake um, historical texts that are made up that still in a way you know we talked about this at the beginning of Lincoln and Bardo, is the fact that they're made up, does that, you know, d- detract from the truthfulness, and, you know, in air quotes again, truthfulness of the novel, and I would argue that, you know, it doesn't, because in, in a sense, novels, as the definition of novels in that packet that we read, it would be, you know, something that is fictitious, and in a way, S-Town also is fictitious, it's, it's a separate world that is not our own, that is, you know, has been crafted and is, you know, changed in a way by Brian Reed's bias, like whether that's, it's not necessarily a malicious bias that is, you know, purposely changing things, but, you know, every person has a different perspective and the way and what he chooses to include and how he chooses to include it in his podcast is, you know, reworking, you know, the structure of the entire uh, story, so that's also like a fictitious or like work of fiction like, that is still important. Like also to the reader, if you're like going like when I think of novel, I just think of like we're like kind of like a regular three hundred page book, kind of with like reading it left to right. Um, but like I feel like that has like changing the actual structure of how the lines are mm-hmm. has more of an impact than like what like the book may be doing with like time. Just because, like, when, when you're reading... How? Wait, what do you mean? So, like, I think that, like, Station Eleven, although it's, like, doing kind of weird stuff with time, like, just, like, but it's just... So like, going back and forth yeah. in the stories? Okay. But, like, just looking at the pages, I know they look like regular pages. But, like, to yeah, me, yeah, like, yeah. I feel like just, like, seeing that a novel is, like, a different format has, like, more of an impact than, um, like, kind of, like, an unexpected, like, time thing. Why do you think that it just because it's like more it's like it's more much immediately more like apparent. apparent like you okay. like you're reading with your eyes and like how what you see like changes yeah. maybe like how you interpret it or something like that. I'd also say with the um, the thing that you were talking about, Casey, about the um, like the the fiction within like Brian Reed's story, and even like the in Lincoln and the Bardo like the pseudo historical or not even pseudo like the made up historical accounts um i would say that like not even like the fact that the that brian reed what he's uh telling is a fiction it's just like kind of like what's highlighted in lincoln and the bardo with the moons yeah like you were saying just like there's like an emphasis on the fact that like everybody's perception is just like different i think even within um ben learner's like the way he, like, overly emphasizes the fact that he has authored this novel. Like, he says it a lot. Yeah. He says, like, this no- I went to this, I went to this, uh, this workshop, this retreat to 
write this novel and it's the novel that we're reading and he's like oh high six figures from my thoughts and he's talking about the money he'll make from the novel that we're reading so like he kind of emphasizes the fact that he's authored this novel kind of like you know also emphasizing the like individual perspective of the whole thing and how this is just like one you know story and it's not like this is not like any sort of like final truth about whatever this is just the way that he's seeing things I don't know. I feel like that. That's also something that I feel is in. I don't even know if that makes sense, but I, yeah. that's something that I feel like is also in a lot of the novels that we've read. Well, yeah. That does make sense. Yeah, I feel like that's very reminiscent of a lot of the books that we've read. Um, whether it's, you know, in some format, um, you know, taking cognizance of itself, and then also taking realizing that each story, in a way, is a you know, or each person, or you know, group of. Um, you know, experiences is all based off of so many people, so yeah. many, you know, different things that come together, whether it's, you know, the identity or like the structure of John B. McElmore is not necessarily, especially in the podcast, it's not necessarily just defined by what he thinks of himself. Mm -hmm. It's very like collective, you know, nature of what, you know, Brian Reed's own, you know, perceptions of John, whether it's Tyler's, you know, all the Cheryl Dotson, like all the people that you know, participated in his life and were affected by him and are included in the thing, those things are, you know, very important because all the people mm -hmm. are, you know, making up of a collective story, which is, yeah. I think, even more, you know, important in Lincoln and the Bardo because, I mean, it's sort of a physical representation of, you know, the collective nature of experiences because, mm. you know it's not just one character telling their story. Every single character has input on what, you know, what makes up that one person. I Do you think, think that get, makes it closer to, like, gets closer to final true? I mean, I think that it's reminiscent of real life. I mean, every single person has their own sense of self and, you know, sees the world from their view, but also every person that you meet, every, you know, experience you have is contributing to, you know, what you view of that person or of that thing. And that the way you view people in life is, you know, very impacted by how other people view that same person. Yeah. And, you know, your sense of self can be very heavily impacted by what other people think of you and what you think of yourself. And, you know, the experiences, everything's based on the experiences and the things that you have had in your life that, like, make up what your next decision will be and impact that in a very strong way. So I think that, in a way, I mean, that's something that I found very um, included in, you know, the novels we read, and maybe that makes it reminiscent of a 21st century novel of a person and recognizing, like, the collective history of, yeah. you know, the world and everybody in it. Because, I mean, like, always, like, the dom the dominating perception is always just going to be, like, our own. Like, not, but not even yeah. really because, like, not because of any, like, chosen selfishness, I guess, just because, like, by design, like, that's just how we kind of are. So, I mean, like, I'm always seeing things, like, literally through my eyes. Like, I can't, like, be inside of your head or whatever. But, like, so I feel like maybe the function, because I'm just trying to understand, like, what is the function of emphasizing the fact that there are, there's more than just one way to well, see things or I whatever. Maybe it's to make it, like, to, yeah. I don't know, provoke, well, like, move us to be more aware I think, of, like, the other yeah. things going on. Sorry, I what were you saying? No, um, I think that it's kind of like a, like a comfort thing. Like, if we were, like, if we had, like, a solid, like, very solid um, idea of who someone was, what something, 
what something is and you like you were able to magically almost transfer into another person and see it through their eyes i feel mm. like you'd be kind of you'd like be frightened you would know i have no idea what is like what's real anymore because just because like the person you transferred into is like no one like can no longer like they don't see it the same way as you transferring into someone sounds familiar I mean, I think Lincoln that, Bar- <laughs> yeah, that um, definitely, obviously in Lincoln Bardo, I think I always thought of, you know, the combining of spirits in Lincoln Bardo was sort of a physical representation of empathy. Right. Being able to, you know, very literally, you know, experience other people's emotions and having, you know, like the same experience in a way that even if you're having the same experience in, you know, real life, like you're not because you all have different perspectives, but if you're like literally having the same perspective on life in the same situation, yeah. I mean, that's definitely, you know, being able to see from other people walking in other people's shoes, which is, you know, used in, um, in Lincoln, the Bardo by people who are saying like you, they haven't walked in our shoes, um, by Betsy and Eddie in the, in the Bardo who say that a lot. And so I think, I mean, in a way it's kind of asking the readers or the listeners um, in the podcast example uh, to, you know, put themselves in the shoes of the character, which I think essentially all novels and all works of art ask of, you know, the people experiencing them to insert themselves and have it not be just, you know, a work of art that is separate. I mean, every single work of art is a representation of, you know, the world and the experiences that the artist had to get there. But I think asking us to put ourselves in it is very, you know, important in the 21st century novel. And I think seeing that in, I saw that personally in the, you know, idea of being, you know, appreciative of the things that we have, which is seen, I mean, obviously in the end of S-Town, John's suicide note, he continues to talk about how, like, he just appreciated, um, he says, sometimes I took record players and CD players apart just to peek inside and admire the engineering of their incongruous entails. Sometimes I watched Laverne and Shirley or old movies or Star Trek. Sometimes I just uh, sat in the dark and listened to the creaking of my old house. Mm-hmm. So just appreciating the things that are just even, you know, the most simple and mundane things is very similar to, you know, in Station Eleven when they have the incomplete list and it says no more diving into pools of chlorinated water lit green from below, no more ball games played under floodlights, and continues to go on to no more pharmaceuticals, no more flight, no more countries, no more fire departments. And so in a way, like it's asking us and having all these things that are part of our world that are no longer part of the worlds, worlds of the characters that are in the books that we read and saying, this is an opportunity that you have still don't waste it yeah a quote that i kind of accompanies what you're saying is from station 11 it's like and i stood looking over my damaged home and tried to forget the sweetness of life on earth mm-hmm. and from the comics yeah it's he it's it's when um he's like doc it's like in the comics when dr Levin like it's by his dog and they're looking at the the station mm-hmm. and i i don't like I guess it like kind of goes against a little bit what you're saying because he he's trying to forget the sweetness of life on Earth instead of yeah. just kind of remembering what had been had been lost. But like I feel like there, it's like kind of admitting the fact that there was a sweetness of yeah. life on Earth. There was something 
good about or um, before um, his damage dice. One question that I have is about like some some of the stuff that you were saying about um, how there like there are some just fundamental truths that you feel like all works of art are speaking to, like mm -hmm. literature, visual arts in America, around the world, whatever. Um, just like that. I mean, we can, like, let's just focus on the literary arts. I mean, there's, like, there's that packet that we read that one time that talks about how, like, um, all these authors sitting at this round table engaged in, like, a conversation with each other that, like, transcends, you know different temporalities and like even like nation national whatever like geographic whatever restraints yeah restraints yeah. thank yeah. you <laughs> um so what one question that i have is um i think ben lerner talks about this as well with a re with a reader he he kind of i think he has an analogy to reading a book as like walking by a light post but it's like two different people walking by the same light post, one in, like, the 1800s and one today. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like, for a moment, the flicker of light is, like, it's in both of them and it's the same. So they kind of are able to have this experience that transcends, like, time yeah. and place or whatever. But um, one thing that I was wondering is, you know, on the question of, like, what defines a 21st century novel, do you think that it's mostly, like, a shift in, like, what the truths are that these authors are trying to reflect through their works of fiction or in the way that they're speaking these truths or like the way that they're trying to reach the reader or is it like both neither like what do you know what I'm saying yeah what do you think I think that um I don't think it's the truths that are being changed just because humans have been like fundamentally the same for the longest time and like authors are, are speaking to that, but in the way that they speak to that is what. So changing. much has changed though. Like but recently, has it? like really. I mean, in the way that we like communicate. I mean, like also with like the, with like the way that technology has progressed, like in since like the late nineteen hundreds and today, like fundamental changes to the way we socialize and communicate with one yeah. another. Also, the impacts on, like, literally, like, our democratic system have been huge. So, like, at least in America, like, I mean, there have been, I mean, fundamentally, yes. Like, we all want to know why we're here on Earth, and we all want to, like, I don't know, understand what the purpose of life, and we all have, like, desires and dreams and, like, whatever. Like, the, like all that stuff is, like, pretty much the same. But isn't that mostly what the novels are talking about? Mm, but also, like, I would say, like, especially with 1004, like, it's, this is a novel that's definitely conscious of, all, like, the changes that have happened. Also, like, different epochs, like, there, there are, like, changes to, like... Like, we look back at the literature that was produced, like, after World War Two, and we're like, oh, there's obviously, like... I mean, it's been A said shift. before. Yeah, obviously, like, there's this, like, new, like, kind of cultural cynicism that has, like, seeps into the, the novel, and we see that in the... That the cult that the... Um isn't like a cultural like cynicism or post-war, pre-war, isn't that a way, would that change the way the authors write about the ideals of, like the, like the common ideals of the man? Or, yeah, so like, the, but that's what I'm wondering, like yeah. what, what, what in 50 years do you think people are going to say, oh, this is what was defining that period of time and this yeah. is how we see that in the novels that were produced at that period of time? Like what are those things? How are they, how are we seeing them in the novels? I don't know, that's just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's even, like, an answerable question yet. Well, I mean, obviously, 
I'm, I think that we definitely um, were talking about this previously, but the sense of defining a 21st century novel, or I would argue even, you know, defining what the past 20 years has been, not, I mean, obviously we only have 19 years of, you know, the 21st century, but we won't ever really be able to predict what will happen in the future, what, you know, what will literary forms take, you know, after, because obviously I think very similar to what John was saying, the, you know, the impacts that, you know, large things have on, you know, the, the centuries and the people around them. We talked about what is the 21st century novel? How is it defined in just like, I mean, even separate from liter like literature, what is, you know, the defining things of the 21st century novel and the 21st century person? And we talked a little bit about, um, you know, the goals of the, of the world. And one of them would be the Millennium Development Goals, which is just, you know, a set of goals set out by, I think, the United Nations. That is just, what do we want to achieve in the next 100 years? And a lot of them, you know, including eradicating extreme poverty in Hungary uh, and hunger. Um, <laughs> eradicating Hungary as a yes. nation. <laughs> um, no. Um, achieving, you know, universal primary education. Yeah. Promoting gender equality. Those things are things that, you know, whether we are able to achieve them in the 100 years, you know, is yet to come. Right. Is yet We're yet to discover. But, you know, the idea of having a collective goal, you know, as a, as a globalized world mm -hmm. to, you know, solve issues that affect a lot of people that I think, you know, is reminiscent and you can see that in how literature is defined yeah, in creating empathy, having people, you know, wanting to have a more interconnected world that, you know, is pushed so much farther in today's world, used like with just technology and social media, like the connecting of the world, mm -hmm. but like using that to do something good and solve the issues that have been, you know, plaguing our world for, you know, hundreds of years and solving those issues is like, uh, I think, a really important thing that you can, you know, see in how that impacted literature. Yeah. And sort of like hand in hand with the emphasis on creating em empathy is like the emphasis on the possibilities of collective progress. And that we've seen in like, in I think all of the novels that we've read, and especially like in the endings of those novels, like they're like the, all of the authors seem to be like turning towards hope and like the future, what can come. Like in the end of Lincoln and the Bardos, Thomas Haven, Haven, ha Haven, whatever, in, inhabiting uh, Lincoln's body and like going out um, into the world with him and like sort of the joining of these, you know, mm, people who are at conflict. I don't know how to, you know, because yeah. like the know Civil War and there was all that. Um, Turmoil. The tensions, yeah, the racial tensions, and this is like an image of possible, or like a image of like a hopeful image of the future of the you know racial relations in America, or whatever. And then at the end of ten oh four, like Ben Lerner's, like I would like to say something to the school children of America, mimicking that speech. And then he switches to future tense, like literally pulls the novel into the future, is mm -hmm. forward looking, and the same at the end of Station um, 11. Yeah, Station 11. With like the arrival and departure gates. Yeah, the boats, yeah. whatever. And then also even the podcast, like ending with a beginning, ending yeah. with an origin story. I'm just going to read this because I, I like this quote that Ben says on, on 239, or that Ben writes, even um, parasitic insects will appear to me as a bad form of collectivity that can stand as a, a figure of its possibility. So I feel like that literally is just a representation of um, 
the hope that he has, and I, that I guess by extension, the hope that he's asking us to have mm-hmm. for the future of like collective progress. And I feel like that really is. Sorry, I've been talking for a long time. I think that that really does like is like going hand in hand with like what you're saying about how we live in a more and more like interconnected world. Mm-hmm. And so like this, we have the opportunity to you know more than ever before be aware of like what it is that we all want to achieve and um, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know whatever. Um, I remember what I was saying, actually. I think that... What were you talking about before? <laughs> she was talking about, like, the world values. Like, the yeah. list Money, of collective what we progress. want to accomplish by... <laughs> well, I mean, I think that also connects to, you know, having, you know, a more connected world, which is, I think is what you're trying to get at. That yeah. we have, you know, opportunities and what we do with those, you know, things. And I think, especially in um, Station Eleven, when we have a world that is void of those, you know, interconnectedness and is now it goes from, you know, as global as we have a, a world to, you know, as local as just the people that you're traveling on the road with. Right. And uh, I mean, I think at the end, Clark does a really good job of, you know, zooming out and saying, he says um, on page 332, um, he, has, he has no expectation of seeing an airplane rise again in his lifetime. But is it possible that somewhere... There are ships setting out. If there are again towns with streetlights, if there are symphonies and newspapers, then what else light? What else light um, can this world awaken? Can, can this awakening world contain? Yes. And so it's. I mean, in a way, we are the world that will. Like we. We, are the world. <laughs> we will see. You know, we live in a world that we will see airplanes rise again. Yeah. You know, we. You know, it's something that we our life hasn't changed in the course of reading this novel for the most part you know maybe there's a people reading it then then there's an epidemic but <laughs> you know for the most part you know more. we're still living in the same world that we were at the beginning of the book yeah but we are called on by clark by the people in the novel who have been separated from the world that we live in and they're saying you know the world that you live in is untouched by the plague that we're experiencing. You know, however, you know, fictitious or, you know, it's not, you know, happening to, you know, real people, but it's happening to these characters, which makes it real enough. Um, mm-hmm. We enjoy all the things that the characters live without. So we're called to appreciate the things that we have. And that's, you know, I think that's also stated really well in Lincoln the Bardo when um, President Lincoln comes and visits Willie. And he says, all gifts are temporary. I unwillingly surrender this one. And that, and that you for it, and thank you for it, God or world, whoever has given it to me, I humbly thank you and pray that I did right by him and may, as I go ahead, continue to do right by him. So I think that saying that all gifts are temporary, it's very, you know, acknowledging the fact that, you know, we have things in our world that we will have but we need to realize that they could be gone, which is, you know, obviously in Station Eleven and in S-Town realizing that, you know, he didn't appreciate everything in his life. And so it's like, it's saying all these characters are giving us an opportunity to say, yeah, I live in a world that's not very much different than these people. I, you know, have the same things in life that I should appreciate and I should, you know, see as a thing, you know, that's important. I think that's hard, though. I think... um, that just because like it's so like readily accessible to us that we like can't even imagine 
um, or it's hard for us to even like fathom having a life. All the stuff that we have that they don't have in the post collapse yeah. world. Like, yeah. I know, like, I'm like, I kind of agreeing with you, Casey, that like it makes sense that they're trying to get you to appreciate, um, like the things that they don't have that they had and we do have now. But I, I feel like it's like, it's just so hard for us to do that because we've had it for so long. And I think the only way to get to that point of appreciation is to not have it anymore or the wish of appreciation. I would definitely agree with that, that it's, you know, it might be easy to realize that, you know, there are things in life that we won't have, but it's not until you lose, you know, you lose it and then you realize that you don't have it, that somehow, you know, making it, having it separated from you and not having access to it every day, you know, you realize how nice it was when you did. And so, I don't know, I think that is just, you know, something that, that the novels are doing and you know, hopefully, you know, people are able to respond to that. Should we take a break and answer some questions? Oh, and then talk yeah. about whatever afterwards? Yeah. Do you it's have a like, question? I don't have a question. Um, I have one. Okay. What's about to get much better? Mm. One thing. One thing. In a life? Life? Yeah, I, anything. What's life a, thing? Just what's about to get much what's better. What's about to get much better? Do you want to answer first? Um, I think, like, not really, like, pressure but just kind of like kind of like the back of the mind like thinking about certain things and then like I don't know I feel like once they're gone like what things like I'm like it's like cop-out answer but like college and like, yeah, yeah yeah just like once like that's like done yeah and like just yeah. like the like I feel like my mind will just be like a lot more like at ease yeah and like I don't know I like won't like I'm not like a super stressful person like at all but like I feel like I'll just be like like, okay, like, I don't know. I'll be at, like, at ease. Exhale. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's a good one. Um, it's about to get much better. I would say, like, the time I spend at my house is about to get much better. Because oh, that's a good answer. My uh, siblings are coming home for Christmas, and they come home. One of them comes home in a week, and the other one comes home in two weeks. So. Don't you have, like, how many, yeah, how many siblings do you have? I have three siblings. Are you the youngest? Yeah. Yeah. So my eldest brother is already home, and then my sister and my other brother are coming home. What's the distance between you and the oldest? Seven years. Okay. So I have a sister who's two years older than me, and then a brother who's five years, and then seven years. What about you? Just your sister? Yeah, I just have a twin. Are you the younger one or the older one? I'm the older one. Hmm. How many minutes? One. Okay, that you're the same age, like no. exactly the same. <laughs> that one minute. It's important. Minute. That one minute is important. You yeah. hold that one Have minute you ever against, used her? It against her. Um, no. Definitely. Like all the it time. like comes out. Though. <laughs> it comes out. And, like I'm the oldest one, so it doesn't matter. Well, like we never fight, so. Really? Yeah. That's, nice. That's nice. What's yours? You never said yours. I would say that one thing that I feel is about to get much better um, is. A playlist of mine that I've been making for a while because, judge me if you want to, but Harry Styles' new album is coming out tomorrow. Fine line. Yeah, he just released Adore You on Tuesday. Okay, here's the thing, though, about Harry Styles. One Direction, yeah. Okay, he was in that band. But what he's doing now, he his music is... It's better? It's, think yeah, it's better? I, think it's, I think it's better. I, More soulful. I think it's better, it's, too. You you guys like Harry Styles? Well, like I just like happen to like, listen to the song. Yeah, I don't I'm know not why, like but... oh my goodness, diehard Harry Styles fan, but like you know he has good songs that he's coming out with. Very good songs. 
Anyway, should we go back to our <laughs> yeah our back discussion? to our discussion? Um, Final thoughts, reflections on the question of what is a twenty first century novel, John? You want me to start? Go ahead. Um, I think like contrary to the past, like a twenty first century novel can be kind of in like any medium it like wants to be in. Um, it just has to like comment on like like have an underlying kind of theme that all humans kind of value or experience at some point in their life and there have to be certain parts of the novel that like the reader can connect to almost like instantaneously but then other parts that where it, it kind of like leaves up leaves it up to question and kind of like keeps you like grounded in the parts you're connected to but also like lets you explore like what you want based on the like through the parts you don't explore of the novel or you don't know of the novel yeah, I would argue that a 21st century novel, essentially, like John said, it it has the opportunity to break form in ways that we've seen in S-Town with, you know, is a podcast a novel? And I would, like we had talked about previously, I would argue yes. Um, and then also it's obviously breaking form, but it does stay true to the point of, you know, it is a, a large work, of li a large literary work that, you know, comments on the fact that we're all essentially, you know, very similar in the ways that we have our world. And that's shown through, you know, these different worlds that are separate from our own and are distinct from our own, but also have, you know, topics that can, you know, apply to everyone. And it's more of a broad thing that is calling on the readers to do something more with their life. Okay. Um, yeah. I agree with both of you. Um, with, I feel like the 21st century novel, maybe in form, is a little bit more unconstrained than novels of the past, although there have been, you know, more sort of experimental novels since the novel has, like, was started, but um, I think that maybe those, the, conven the new sort of conventions of the 21st century novel are a result of the way that the prose of the past and the very strict structure of that prose is um, has failed to reflect accurately, like, you know, the inner workings of someone's mind. Like in the past, I mean, the work of the novel, I guess, is always to forge empathy among people, readers, authors, characters, everybody. And that, the no the 21st century novel is no different from that, um, but it might just be about uh, finding new ways to kind of achieve that aim as well of the novel and all literature. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, examining what the 21st century novel is, it's important to recognize that I believe that, you know, all the periods in history definitely have been defined in what themes and what, you know, ways in which authors are characterizing, you know, their world. As we've seen in, you know, after, during the Great Gatsby's time, after World War One, when, you know, the lost generation and having all the people who, you know, were of age at, you know, World War One and what they did as writers, like, you know, Hemingway, uh, Fitzgerald, obviously, and just what they did and how they focused on, you know, the things that they felt were pressing to the people of their time. It's obviously reminiscent now, 100 years later, what is now defining our world and how are we going to, you know, see that represented in literature? And I think that definitely has something to do with appreciation 
especially as the world gets increasingly more globalized, it's, you know, we have more opportunities to do things that are better for a larger amount of people. And it's, in a way, our literature is calling on us to be those people that can still do something. Yeah. Oh. Done? Yeah. Are we done. done? I think that's good. Thank you for listening to our podcast. This podcast was brought to you by John, Yokai, and Casey. It was also produced by Yokai, Casey, and John. Directed by Casey, John, and Yokai. Edited by Yokai, John, and Casey. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.